This is the Roaring Elephant podcast for the 7th of April. And I'm joined again by my agile, totally improved since last time co-host, Dave. Come on, Dave, show us some brilliance, how you have improved since last. Do it. Um, <laughs> I'm percent less irritated by you. How's that? It's improvement. I, I'll take it. It's more than I got last time, so it's fine. <laughs> yep. So we are we're back again talking business agility uh, with Caroline. Uh, really enjoyed the first half of this session a couple of weeks back, and uh, now we're about to dive into uh, part two. Anything else from you before we do so? No. Nope. Again, a very interesting conversation. Uh, it really started rolling halfway through. So uh, this is kind of the hottest part of the interview and all the good stuff is yet to come. Stay tuned for more Caroline goodness. So, I mean, how, and, and even as I ask this question, I know it's kind of a daft question to ask, but you know, how long does it take for an organization to maybe not adopt agile methods, but to see benefits from adopting agile methods or starting down this journey? So it's not a daft question, but it is a difficult question to answer because it is, it's how long is a piece of string? And the other, <laughs> I guess, the other um, question is, when are you finished? Mm-hmm. Because one of the, the tenets of, of agile is about continual improvement. So if you're yeah. continually improving, you're, you're never finished. Yeah. Um, in terms of benefits, I mean, you can get benefits really, really quickly just by introducing continual improvement. So if yeah. you introduce, you know, one of the elements of, of Agile is about reflecting. So co- reflecting on what you're doing and seeing how it can be improved. If you introduce that, you can get a really quick benefit because you can have lots of people looking at how you're working and going, you know what? This is a problem. If we tried this, this might solve this problem. And then they try it. And if it works, great. If it didn't work, they go, okay, well, we've learned something from that. So now let's try something Mm. else. So you're already getting the benefits of you've got more heads coming into the problem than old old style would be, you know, CEO and the executive board of of a large organization or even a medium organization would be looking and saying, right, we need to figure out what to do to improve. If you introduce continual improvement across the organization and empower people to look at their own areas and understand what small changes they can make to make improvements, then you're already getting benefits. So you can start to get small benefits really, really quickly. Um, The larger benefits, the things like, you know, um, cutting down costs, if that's one of your outcomes you're looking for, if you're looking to become more efficient, so you're looking to, to cut costs. That's more difficult. Um, and I would say that, that, you know, transforming and introducing agile and trying to increase business agility can be a bit of a leap of faith there, because yeah. I think a lot of people give up too early. They, they put a lot of effort in, they make some changes and they go, well, we, we haven't cut our costs. Nothing's changed. Let's go back to the old way where actually that's kind of the point where you've got to say, let's keep going. Let's keep going, mm. because whilst it's painful to start with, we we haven't given ourselves enough time to see what those benefits are and and even if it's not working straight away that doesn't mean you should stop completely 
that means actually, okay, so let's look at what we're doing. Do we need to make any subtle changes to how we're adopting this or, or this transformation we've done here? Do we need to change it slightly? So it's a constant review of what you're doing and adjustments so that you're keeping f- and to keep focused on those outcomes and to keep measuring. And I, and I think that's probably the key message is to is to keep going, keep reflecting, yeah. keep adjusting and keep measuring. And that that's the way you'll you'll move forward. There there isn't a it, this is going to take us six months and then we'll be done. That answer doesn't <laughs> exist. No, exactly, exactly. I mean, so what what do you think? Uh, I think you've talked about some of the just during that explanation. You've talked about some of the catalysts that can that can help kind of accelerate this process. But what are some of the inhibitors? What are some of the the things that can slow this process down or you know, get it to the point where people think, well, you know, this clearly isn't isn't happening, so therefore let's call the whole thing off. Um, I mean, the, the main inhibitors, um, and I've sometimes referred to them as enabling functions, are they're usually the elements of the organisation that people don't think need to change. Um, mm. So, again, it's going back to the, the old analogy of if you've got, um, if you're trying to get empowered cross-functional teams, um, but and I keep bashing HR, and I don't know why I keep using HR <laughs> as an example. It's really unfair. Um, and say you've got a HR process that pigeonholes people into specific roles, and their personal development or their professional development is is anchored to that specific role, and they don't get any recognition for maybe developing in a and an accompanying role or a, or a similar role that's slightly off what their specialism is, yeah. then that's an inhibitor because you're not allowing people to then become what they call T-shaped or generalizing specialists where they've got a spread of capabilities. They may have one particular specialism, but they've also developed themselves in lots of different areas, which is incredibly valuable to an organization and incredibly valuable to a team. But if they're not getting recognition for that because there is some kind of restriction around HR, how HR operates, then they're not going to do that. So that's an inhibitor. So it, so it is about that. It's the same with, you know, um, facilities, just simple things like getting kit and getting equipment. If there's a mm. long drawn out approval sign off process to allow people to experiment because you want people to experiment, you want people to maybe try a new collaboration tool, which is really going to help their team move forward. But they're going to take it's going to take them six months to get approval to bring the tool in and try it. Then that's an inhibitor. So it's it's really about that constant reflection. So look at how you're progressing on the changes that you're making and make sure that people are able to um, raise up and escalate those constraints that they're coming against up against and then actually do something about them. You know, I've worked as a coach in an organization where they had so many different ways of people making constraints visible so they'd raise them and they'd say this is a problem this is causing us a problem this is stopping us progressing and they'd say great put it on the list and then that list would just sit there and nothing (laughs) changed and then they'd say you know what that list isn't working let's find a new way of making the list so they put the list in a different tool and that list would sit there and nothing would happen so it is about you. the inhibitors. There isn't a rule for what the inhibitors are going to be. It will depend yeah. on the organization. But as long as you are able to identify those inhibitors, empower people to identify those inhibitors, and then actually do something about them, 
then yeah. you'll able to you'll be able to move forward. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it sounds blindingly obvious, but there are situations <laughs> where even the, the the blindingly obvious is uh, is missed by some. Um. So is is there a? It sounds like this is an approach that would apply. I mean, absolutely everywhere. I mean, is is there a situation where an organisation, you know, where it wouldn't make sense for them to look at an agile approach? There is some theory behind it. Um, and there's something called the Stacy model, which looks at where the kind of sweet spot for agile is. Um, mm. And it's really in there. So if you think about simple, complicated, complex, chaotic, that's kind of where the discussion goes. If your yeah. environment that you work in is simple, um, then there's a level of predictability around it. If it's complicated, it might be what you do is complicated, you know, constructing a car is complicated but there's a level of predictability to it it's not complex in that you don't know what's going to happen um agile sweet spot is really in the complex area and and software sits very firmly in that complex area whereas you don't know what's going to happen when you put a new function in place when you develop a new feature you don't know how the market's going to react to it you don't even know a lot of the time how different technologies are going to work together to achieve an outcome so there's a lot of unknowns around producing software that don't exist in some of the more predictable construction based industries Mm. um And it's where that complexity sits is where Agile is really strong because Agile is about doing things in short increments, getting feedback, experimenting and learning. All of that sits behind agility. So that's where you want to sit sit in a complex area. Having said that, I believe that a lot of the approaches and the mindsets around people working more collaboratively together people not being um not having hierarchical behaviors um there's some of the stuff that sits behind all of this that actually i think can be applied anywhere because you're always going to get improvements from it you know if you empower people and you don't treat them like mindless robots you're going to get better you're going to get better responses from them you're going to get better output from them they're going to be more motivated so you can use a lot of this stuff everywhere but really where it gets the most benefit is is where you're working in a more complex environment and where there's a level of, of unpredictability about what you do um that's where it's going to really really help you so, so if you're an organisation, you're you're on this agile journey, um, and you're let's say you're in HR, we're talking about them again, or maybe you're a hiring <laughs> manager and you're looking to like add people to your team. What um, what are the things that maybe you could ask or look for when sort of interviewing a candidate to see if they'd be a good fit for you know the the way that you're heading? Oh, that's a difficult one. Um, you really want to ask questions that is going to drive out how they think and their, their mm. culture. I think one of the important things now is, especially if you're in a um, kind of a technology industry or, yeah, even if you're in, you know, you're working in HR and you're looking for people to operate in a certain domain, 
a lot of the technical capabilities and the technical skills, that stuff that can be learned really mm-hmm. easily. Yeah. Um, and yeah. if somebody's got a grounding in it, then they're generally going to be able to pick up new tools, new ideas, new new technologies. But getting people with the right mindset that can that will already be um, will already be ahead in their thinking when they come into your organisation, that's a really valuable thing. In terms of what can you ask them. Um, so, you know, just talk to them about what motivates them. I think yeah. give them scenarios to see how they would react. So, you know, questions can be quite difficult because a lot of people understand what you're trying to get to when you're asking them a question. Yeah. So they're going to give you the answer that they think you want. Yeah. Um, and if you're if you're an organisation that, that, you know, they've done a bit of research on and they know that you tend to work in an agile way, if you start to ask them about kind of what motivates them, they're going to say things like, oh, I definitely work better when I'm empowered. Um, so they, they're going to do their research and come up with the right answers. Yeah. So the best approach is to give them scenarios or even give them some role playing things to do um, Mm. just to see how they actually react to certain situations. Fire those scenarios at them and just see how they think, um, how they work. If you can get other people into the into the interview and set up kind of almost a team scenario, if that's if that's the person you're recruiting for, if you're recruiting for a team member. And see how they react, see how they work with a new team, see how they work with people, see how they talk to people, see how they communicate. That's going to give you a much better view of what they'll bring to the organisation than just asking them a series of questions that they'll answer in the right way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's important because, uh, I mean, a lot of people, when they interview for a job, they know, OK, this agile thing is hype. I need to make sure that people think I'm agile. And I've had a, a couple of colleagues that interpret that as I always have to say yes to whatever's being asked of me. I don't think that's right. Am I? <laughs> no, no, definitely not. Um, and there's, there's an important thing about um, if you look at um, organisations that are moving to agile, um, cult, part of culture is looking at conflict. Mm-hmm. So um, positive conflict is a good thing. You need positive conflict because you want people who will challenge each other yeah. and will have discussions that will enable them to come to the right solution. You know, bad conflict is 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 always bad, um, and that's a dysfunction that you'll need to look at how you resolve. But yeah, you need people. You don't want people who will just say yes to everything because the danger of that is people who just say yes to everything inside they're saying no. Mm-hmm. So even though they're saying yes, what they do and their actions that follow that are actually going to be negative actions, not positive actions. And that's not going to help you move forward. So, um, so yeah, exactly right. They're, they're the same people that say, yes, I'm really happy. And crying on the inside. <laughs> yes, that's the one. <laughs> do you have something to say, Dave? Do you want to let it out? Come on. <laughs> no, I'm really happy. <laughs> So, I mean, we've, we've touched on a few things um, throughout the conversation that that organisations or even individuals, um, you know, get wrong. Is, is there anything else that you can think of that's kind of um, glaring that, that people kind of either misunderstand or, or just, you know, say just plain get wrong? Um, the biggest mistake is to lose sight of the values that that's the biggest mistake um and to and to just go for a 
to go for the small circles in the agile onion so just just to go just go in for the tools and just go in for the practices that is the biggest mistake an organization can make um you know as we discussed they're good stepping stones but you can't just do that and mm. forgetting about the values that we're trying that the agile values in the manifesto are actually incredibly sensible um and they've even got there's even an, an element that they could change they could evolve slightly now and people have evolved them a little bit now because what they want to do is make it less software focused so one of the values for instance is working software over comprehensive documentation what that means yep. is we value delivering working software over producing loads and loads of documentation it doesn't mean we don't do documentation we do the right <laughs> amount of documentation in order to enable the software to actually be valuable but if we wanted to reword that so that it wasn't just software focused, if you look at what it's trying to say, what it's actually trying to say is we value delivering value over not delivering value. That's yep. basically what that that what that is is all about. So I think that, that coming back to the mistake, the biggest mistake is the biggest mistake is forgetting about those values, forgetting about the core of what we're trying to do. And just focusing on the tools. I mean, I have worked with with endless pe- teams where I've gone in and said, "Okay, how's it going?" And they go, oh, "I don't think we need any agile coaching because we're already agile." And I go, oh, "Great, that's fantastic. Tell me about tell me about your agility." And they go, "Well, we use Jira and we do stand ups," and that's. <laughs> That, that's their answer. That's their their, yeah. their demonstration of how agile they are is we've, we've got Jira and we do stand-ups. We've got some tools and some process. But it's also uh, easy to uh, do uh, measure uh, that. Uh, I mean, the yeah. problem with the mindset and the culture and the productivity and things like that, it's hard to put a number on that. We're a four out of five while we're using three <laughs> new tools. That's measurable. And people like things like measures, right? Yeah, absolutely. They they like the tangible change. They like the tangible change that they can see. And they think, and you know, that some of the teams that say that to me, they might be absolutely right. They might be really, really agile. And when I start talking to them and dig into them, I can see yeah. that whilst they use Jira and stand-ups as their illustration, actually, they've got a fantastic mindset and culture. They work really, really well together collaboratively. They're focused on delivering value as, as, as early as possible and as frequently as possible. They've got a great relationship with their stakeholders. All of the great stuff is in place. But another percentage of those teams that will say, we're using Jira and we've got daily stand-ups, that's it. That's literally all yeah. they're doing. But they think they're finished because that's what they've done. And, and thinking yeah. they've finished. So... And, and then that comes back to the fact that they're not measuring. So they're not saying, what is it we're trying to achieve and measuring whether they've achieved it or not. They've been told, be agile. And they've gone, OK, we'll do Scrum. And they've done it and gone, we're finished. Yeah, because the they haven't been given the outcomes that they that they should be aiming to achieve. Yeah. So so if you've got an organisation that, you know, maybe you, you start an initial conversation with them, and they say, yeah, we're agile, we've got Jira and we do stand-ups. And, and you dig into that and you actually find out that they are agile. Like all the positive behaviours that you align with being agile, they're actually doing. Is there, is there an actual tangible benefit, you think, from sort of reflecting back to them that actually it, it's, it, it is about more than the tools? Like you are doing all of these things, but actually these things are all what, what makes you agile, not the tools. You know, is there actually a benefit to that approach? 
there is i think there's a benefit to getting them to understand the other things that they're doing beyond yeah. just the tools and practices to getting them to recognize that because the the danger if they don't like you say they might be fantastic um and the other thing i'd ask them is what are that what outcomes are they trying to achieve now what are their next set of goals where are they trying to get to so you can understand if there's any improvements that they can be making but then the other benefit of then introducing them to for them to understand and be cognizant of all those other activities that they're doing and all the other good stuff is they've got a then a much broader spectrum to focus um continual improvement on if all they're focusing on is their practices and their tools, whenever they do a retrospective and think, well, what can we make better? All they're looking at is their practices and tools. Mm. If they mm. start to consider all of the other great stuff that they're doing as part of being agile, then they can start to look at all of that as well. And they can understand that that can improve too. And they can look, they can focus on how can we how can we do this better? How can we do this bit of collaboration better? How can we improve our mindset and thinking in this specific area? And they, it yeah. just it just widens their remit to get even better. I suppose the other element of that is also like if a if if a team or an organization, whatever it might be, doesn't recognize the great things they're doing it's also very easy for those great things to actually end up getting you know lost or you know them stop Mm -hmm. doing those because they hadn't recognized those as actually being important yeah and and i guess that that brings us back to the discussion we had about the startups changing as they grow bigger if they don't recognize that actually the really cool stuff that they're doing is based on the fact that they're small and dynamic and responsive and collaborative as they start to grow and they introduce all this stuff that's going to stop them doing that, if they could just recognise how much power they're getting from those key ways of working and ways of being, then maybe they wouldn't make the mistake of, of, of getting rid of that stuff as they grow bigger and, and look at a way of evolving that stuff to scale with them. Yeah. So, I mean, we've seen, um, you know, we've been talking about uh, Agile. We, we've you know, touched on DevOps a little bit. You know, we back in episode 139, we were talking to Chris Berg about data ops. There's DEGS, DevSecOps, DegSecOps, I don't <laughs> quite sure what that is. There's AI ops. There's, you know, any number of sort of areas that this is sort of branching out towards. Where, where do you think this goes next? Yeah, there's, there's, there's biz DevSecOps as well. Biz yes. Dev WebSecOps. Oh, <laughs> um, and if. And if you keep doing Can we just that, put them all it, together? <laughs> so, and I think that's where it's going. So it's going yeah. towards, so more and more people now, you will hear not talk about Agile, but you'll hear them talk about business agility. Um, yeah. That's kind of the, it's a buzzword now, but it's not a bad thing that it's a buzzword. So where it's going is, it's looking at it more comprehensively and looking at, almost systems thinking so if we look at what are the outcomes we're trying to achieve no matter who we are no matter what different elements we've got in our in the organization if we've got outcomes that we're trying to achieve it's about looking at how can we bring everything together in the most effective and efficient way to achieve those outcomes so if that's biz and sec and if that's dev and ops and if it's biz and dev and second ops and if it's web as well, it doesn't matter. It's bringing mm. all of the appropriate skills and functions together 
to deliver a stream of value. And really, that's what it's about. And I think value is one of the most important words that we talk about in Agile. It's mentioned a lot in the manifesto. It's mentioned an awful lot when we talk about business agility. It's really about focusing on the customer, putting the customer to the forefront and focusing on delivering value to that customer. So then that makes us start thinking about how do we deliver value? So you'll hear people talking about things like value streams. How do we deliver value and how can we maximize and optimize the delivery of that value? And then that's bringing together all of the appropriate things we need in the most efficient and effective way to optimize the delivery of that value. Um, and and kind of that's where it's going. So I, I think we'll start to see, um, I'm making a prediction here, which means it will be wrong. Um, I think we'll start to see people stop trying to fit biz and dev and second ops and everything together in, in increasingly growing um, streams of, of letters and just yep. focus on how do we how do we deliver value more effectively and efficiently um, and increase yeah. that business agility. Yeah, I mean, we're experts here at making terrible predictions, so you're in good company. Hey, um, speak for yourself. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I, th- I think you've just touched on the answer to this, but I, I'd like to go into it a little bit more depth. So, do you think, therefore, it makes sense to start somewhere and, and you know, become agile somewhere first within an organi- organisation that maybe is, you know, more legacy to to have a... I don't know, like a landing point, an initial um, point of, of proof that this can make a difference and then, you know, grow across the business from there? Or or do you think the time is now right for even some of these organisations that are maybe a little bit still stuck in the past to just approach business agility from the forefront, from the very beginning? Um, I'm I'm not sure that they need to make that choice i think it depends on it depends on their size it depends mm. on the criticality of what they're doing um it depends on their their current situation there's a lot of there's a lot of depends on that and i hate using that as an answer it depends um <laughs> it's 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 really valuable to try it somewhere um and mm. it's also really valuable to go you know what we've got an imperative here we've got to make a massive change let's just let's just start do let's look at business agility from the from the very top um and start looking at the whole organization that is difficult to do if you've got a really big organization that might just be overwhelming so yeah it's about looking at how it's going to work best for you um and sometimes just making a, a change in a small area and seeing how that works. I mean, if, if you're a really, really big organisation and you've got one particular department, then you might want to say, OK, so let's have a look at what we can do in this department. At the yep. very least, what that will do is start to identify the constraints outside of that department that are having an impact on how much it can change. And that will start to give you a view of the scope of the rest of the change you'll have to make because you don't really know that when you first start off so if you start in, yeah. if you start it in one area and that area starts to report back well we're doing great but actually we're hitting this bit and we're hitting this pit and i'm gonna say hr again just because i may as well keep the pattern going we're hitching, hitting <laughs> up again hr then at least then you know okay so now we've got a list of these inhibitors that we know when we do this in all of our other departments they're going to hit the same problems 
So we may as well start looking at those and it'll, it'll start to help you, I think, prioritize the areas that you focus on. Um, so if you're really big, yeah, it might be worth just just do it in one area. Just do it. See what happens. See what you can yep. learn from it. It's all about learning, experimentation and learning. If you're relatively small, then you're probably halfway there based on the conversation yeah, we had earlier. Yeah, yeah. So you can probably do it a, a little bit more kind of all in one go but again it, it just i think it just depends on scale uh, from my experience uh, within microsoft they kind of went company-wide with the whole growth mindset thing and i think it was a good choice for them because traditionally microsoft has been known for being having a lot of infighting a lot of uh, departments uh, fighting other departments uh, i mean i'm not gonna go into depth there but if they were gonna do it with <laughs> a single organization first within a big company uh, I think it would have died because other departments have said, no, since they're doing it, it must be bad, so we won't adopt it at all. So that's why they kind of pushed it down from the top and everybody needs to do it now. That's a, that, that's actually a really, really good point because whilst you could try a big change in one small area and see what happens, the other thing you could do is change one thing company-wide. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to change mindset we do that across the whole company top yeah. down this is this these are now these are our values this is our company alliance this is how we're going to behave to one another now and just make that happen and you might see things really start to get a benefit from that and then you might see because that will probably mean you're empowering people you'll probably then see smaller areas within the within the, the wider organization start to change how they operate because they're empowered to make those change because of the mindset mindset change that's come down so so the, it might be that there's two ways you can go um in a bigger organization you could focus on one department and maybe make a bigger change there and see what happens or you could just change one thing, but do it company wide, and and start the and start the ball rolling like that. That's that's, that's a really good point. Mm-hmm. So obviously you've you've been doing this for a while now. What's the what's the most significant impact that you've seen from your your work, apart from being on this podcast, of course. Well, yeah. Clearly. <laughs> yes, of course. Uh, clearly, I've reached the pinnacle of my career right now. No, 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 um, Caroline. Always improvement. <laughs> Continuous improvement. We'll have you back next best, week as well. There you go. <laughs> best, best point in my career so far. Um, this podcast. Um, biggest change that that I've seen, or the biggest impact that I've seen. Um, I think it. I've probably got two answers for this. So I've seen a big impact in a large program that I was part of, bought in to be an agile coach on a large program. And it was meant to be an agile program, but it really wasn't. Um, Mm. And after, I mean, it must have been 12 months working with them, there was a significant change in the way they operated together. So, you know, all the practices changed, the tools changed, how they use the tools changed, all of that little stuff changed. But the significant thing was the way the people operated together and collaborated together to get things done. And seeing that impact is is really, really rewarding. Changing the processes and practices is easy. Actually seeing a mindset change or seeing and the way interactions change is incredibly valuable. I think the the other point um, is just on an in one-to-one individual's basis. So I've had the pleasure of mentoring individuals during my coaching career. And, you know, I saw one particular individual who went from 
Um, he was a member of a team. He was a tester on a team. Um, and I saw a level of, I don't know, um, ambition in him and, and, and possibilities of the other things that he could do. So I spent some time mentoring him. Um, he really rose up in the organisation, was able to be looking after all of their kind of release processes for their software. Um, and I now know that he's moved on and he's got a job. He, he got a new job doing that for a large bank. Um, so seeing somebody go and I, he would he may have done that anyway. If I hadn't even got involved, he may have still done the same thing. But I like to think that I had a little bit of a key role in in giving him the confidence and understanding that he could grow his career to, to that effect. So, so yeah, I, I mean, seeing things on a wider scale and seeing the change in, in numbers of individuals working together and, and how they act, react and, and, and um, interact with one another, um, that's a big impact and I take that away. But I often get most of my reward from seeing the changes in, in, an, in a single individual and, and if nice. I've had an impact on them, that's cool. That's actually a very good point because a lot of times people in organizations talk about the agile thing as something that's good for the company. But if it's unsuccessful, it's actually great for the personal growth of the individual itself, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It's And that's key. And if, if lots of individuals in an organization grow, then the organization mm -hmm. grows. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that is is constant. As soon as something is cool or interesting, then there's a uh, a crappy crappy article published on the internet that talks about the fact that that thing is now dead. Um, so, in 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 true uh, internet fashion, uh, back in early February, yeah, third of Feb, there was a Silicon Angle uh, article talking about the fact that agile software development is dead. Deal with it. Um, which was then followed by, in sort of early March, a perhaps slightly more reasonable article on the O'Reilly website um, talking about that article. Um, so, I mean, you've had a chance to quickly skim through the article, but I'm guessing this is, this is nothing new or unusual to you. No, and, you know, there's people been slagging off Agile for, <laughs> for, for, for a good few years now. Um, and, but... but I, I find that, that that kind of, oh, this, this newfangled thing is dead. This is a newfangled thing. It's great. Now it's dead. Often comes from a point of not really understanding the core of what's behind that newfangled thing. Um, yep. So there's a, there's a, you know, if you can talk about agile is dead, well, probably doing agile really poorly is, is dead <laughs> because it, it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But if you look at the core behind agile, what it's trying to achieve, and we've, we've talked about that quite a lot, you look at the values and you look at the, the concepts behind agility as about customer focus and delivering value efficiently and effectively, that's never going to be dead yeah. because that just makes sense. So <laughs> if it gets renamed something else um, or, you know, say now people talk about business agility a little bit more than they talk about agile. And I'm sure that there'll be another phrase that will be used in a couple of years time, which will yep. um, have all the same concepts behind it, but it'll just be used slightly different phrasing. So I think if you look at the core behind something, you'll understand that that's actually not dead. It's maybe just the title that it's given today that will be dead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So 
I think we've pretty much come to the end of, of sort of our little agile journey, at least for now. Is there anything, any last words that you'd like to leave our audience with? Um, oh, gosh, any last words? <laughs> I feel like I'm dying now. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, continuous um, improvement. We're all going to live forever. <laughs> that would be good. Um, I think it's just, um, just stick with it. I think that would be my biggest thing to say to anybody who's who's going on the journey who's who started maybe trying to um make get, get a bit more agile whether it's just themselves personally or whether it's within an organization or a team you know you you're gonna hit you're gonna hit blockers you're gonna hit inhibitors you're gonna have days where you think it's not working i'd say just go back look at the values again look at your outcomes understand what you're trying to achieve and then just keep going because it, it it's all about what you, where you're trying to get to, um, and mm. the journey will be continuous as long as you've got that those targets those goals in sight. Just don't give up on it. Yeah, nothing worthwhile is easy. Indeed. <laughs> so if if people have found this discussion useful or interesting, then all credit to you and no credit to us. Um, where can people find you? Um. Right, so um, I'm, I'm I'm right here. Um, my, oh, hello. Um, <laughs> so my email, uh, my company is called Estelia Limited, E S T E L I A. Um, so you can get in touch with me at Caroline at Estelia dot uk, um, and you can also find me. I'm on LinkedIn. Just search for Caroline Downs, and you'll find me um, lurking around on LinkedIn somewhere. So yeah, I'm happy. Feel free to drop me a line if there's anything that I've said that you hate or love or want to discuss some more. I'm more than happy to to converse. <laughs> Fantastic. We'll put some links in the show notes. Cool fantastic well Jon anything else from you nope I'm all discussed out that that was very useful very interesting I've learned a couple of things that's always a good sign for me oh, there we go continuous well, improving right yes exactly continuous improvement and uh, there we go one more one more episode down more continuous improvement on the Roaring Elephant podcast and that does mean that Caroline so, needs to come back in a six month or a year or so to show us how we can improve further <laughs> No, no pressure. There's plenty that we could do to improve further. (laughs) I think it's a giant laundry list of stuff. Anyway, um, thanks, Caroline. Really appreciate your time. Really appreciate you uh, walking us through this this agile journey. And uh, yeah, great to chat with you. Thanks. I've really enjoyed it. Thanks, guys. Well, that wraps up our session with Caroline on business agility. Um, I had a really good um, time talking about this. I think it's a, I think it's an incredibly important topic, especially at the moment. I think there's a lot that organisations can still continue to improve, and I think a lot of people and organisations think that they've got this sorted. And I think. <laughs> couldn't be further from the truth as we've been uh, as we've been learning through these last couple of episodes yeah it's not about putting a checkbox or checking a checkbox or something like that it's about a real fundamental change of how you do things how you think about things and for me the the interview was very enrichment enriching because it kind of made me think about the human aspects of the whole thing because being mm. a bit of a developer by trade and training let's say I always saw it as a stringent set of rules which will make you a better programmer but it's actually about being a better person yeah, very much so. Very much so. 
I, I think we we can always learn from a lot of this side of things with where we want to head as 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 you say as human beings you know where we want to improve where we want to see ourselves develop so really thanks to uh, Caroline for taking the time and walking us through this spending time with, mm-hmm. with us great discussion great conversation and uh, who knows maybe we'll have Caroline back again in the future Anything else from you? No, I'll go back to my little corner and start uh, improving myself even further so I can beat that 0.0000 something you had at the beginning. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. In that case, that is all the time we have for today. You can support this podcast uh, by becoming a patron. Every contribution helps and also helps our improvement. Mm. We're on YouTube. You can like, subscribe, hit the notification bell and encourage us to improve all of the YouTube stuff. Uh, please go to www.roaringelephant.org for a link to our Patreon page and also for more information about this podcast. You can also follow us using at Roaring Elephant tag on Twitter and you can send your feedback to podcast at roaringelephant.org. Until next time, my name is Always Improving Dave. And my name is Can It Really Get Any Better, Young? I would look forward <laughs> to talking to you next week. See, I told you I'd improve the outro. <laughs> nah, I don't know. Two still out. <laughs> <laughs> See you then. Bye.